Quick stop at the ATM Gonna cash my paycheck And now I'm on the news again Didn't pay my taxes Slow down cause I drive oh boy. fast On oh boy. Oh boy, Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here. We're going to jump right into it. All Canadian coming out on a Wednesday morning. A Wednesday morning. Trey Effin Ford. Finally, 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 finally getting the start against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this week, this Thursday in the CFL. We have been very vocal about this about our opinion on why trey ford has not been starting but this is where we're starting the podcast trey ford did not make it through last season had the unfortunate shoulder injury he is a former peter gorman trophy winner in u sports 2017 that's the u sports rookie of the year for those who don't know goes on to win the heck Crichton trophy obviously that is the best football player Across U Sports for that year, he won that in 2021. Then he wins the Lois and Doug Mitchell Award, top male athlete in all of U Sports in 2022. What are your realistic expectations for Trey Ford in the CFL? In the CFL, let me give you this: in the CFL, he is 40 for 69, 460 yards, two touchdowns, five ints, a completion rating or a completion percentage, 60% on the dot. What are the realistic expectations for Trey Ford here against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who are 1A, 1B, 1A right now in the West? Oh, don't don't give me that. No, a 50-burger. They are 1A, Connor. And as such, the expectations for Trey Ford are score A, singular touchdown whether it's throwing the ball or rushing the ball. Orchestrate, you know what, I'm even going to go more lenient. Orchestrate a touchdown drive. Because for the Edmonton Elks, they have been few and far between this season. And going against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, if he scores one touchdown, you have to say that's a success. This is how low the bar is set for the Edmonton Elks at this point. Given the... Chris Jones, you know, he's not as consistent as he was last year. Really haven't been able to trust him to now. Okay, dude, you've gone from third string to first string. It's your show. Have a have a blast. You're playing against Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeffcoat, Demario Houston, and the Winnipeg freaking Blue Bombers. I'm with you. This is a very, very tough ask for Trey Ford for his first start of the 2023 season. We've been saying it all along. You know, Trey Ford is not, and if he is, if it is, great. I'm happy to see that. I will admit that I'm wrong. We will admit that we're wrong. But this is a tough situation for Trey Ford because I don't think you can expect him to come in and be the savior to all your problems. I think the problems within the Edmonton Elks right now extend beyond the quarterback position. I think we both can agree to that. I think almost every every fan in the CFL can gr- agree to that right now. But I think it it's an extremely low bar right now. I think the expectations are not insurmountable for Trey Ford right now. I, I think if he comes out, regardless of, of whether or not Edmonton wins or loses, if he comes out 
he completes 60, 65, 70% of his passes, throws a touchdown, at least, at least demonstrates that he can put together extended drives, scoring drives, whether it's it's touchdowns or field goals. But if he if he can demonstrate that he's getting Edmonton in position to score, especially against a damn good one A, I agree, one A Winnipeg Blue Bombers team, we can count that as a as successful game for Trey Ford this weekend. This week, I should say it's a Thursday game. I'm I'm with you. And I don't know. I just the expectation would be so damn high for no apparent reason. Like well, that's the thing. I think I think everybody needs to temper their expectations right now on on what we should be expecting from Trey Ford. I think people are like, he's gonna, I... go, he's gonna run around, he's gonna throw for 300, he's gonna run for a hundred. Like, no, it's gonna be a good game if he throws for like 180 and two touchdowns and then runs for another 40, 50. Like we need to look at the broader saw, picture of Edmonton here. The last we saw from the Edmonton Elks was a 27-0 shutout to the BC Lions. Week before that, it was 14-14 for a fair amount of time against Winnipeg. And then Winnipeg just said, okay, <laughs> playtime's over, son. Uh, head to bed. Uh, but no, Connor, like, what I know is going to happen to, and this is what's going to drive me crazy, is he's going to have one throw or one scramble where he makes a play. It may not be a touchdown and they could get shelled 42 to six. But if he, he has one play, people are going to say, well, how come this guy hasn't been starting all season long? Well, if they're losing 35 to six or 42, six, and they're getting housed by a Winnipeg blue bars team that quite frankly has found their groove. We wondered where Dalton Jones big plays were, you know, is Kenny Lawler going to be that big of an impact when he comes back? Zach Claris is still Zach Claris, but, you know, they had a really tough time in that first outing against BC with their pass rush. And all of a sudden, Zach Claris comes out and goes, hey, <laughs> it's me. I'm the reigning MOP. It's me. That's kind of a that's a, that's a great reference. I'm going to I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Great reference. Did you did you sign up for Taylor Swift presale? Did you? Ashley, Ashley did. I'm not going. I'm not going. I, I am not. Did a you get it? Did you get an email today? I have no idea. I was working. She was at home. <laughs> I saw a great meme about the Taylor Swift tour. It was uh, Taylor. It was like some. The caption was something like Taylor Swift's vision of Canada, and it was just like a map outlined like Canada, but it was all colored in blue. And then across the entire outline of Canada, it just said <laughs> Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. That is that is pretty good. Um, obviously, six shows in 2024 is what we're leading to. Uh, if I have an opportunity to go, I'm going. I'm just going to admit that right here, right now. I've I've heard that it's like its own economy. Like every city it goes to, it's almost like having like a mini Super Bowl. Dude, the freaking Wall Street Journal put out. I, I think it was the Wall Street Journal. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody. But it, like, there was an article that came out, like from a like a reputable American news publication that said Taylor Swift is pumping money into the American economy right now, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Hmm. Um. But yeah, no. Let's get back on football. Uh, this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team, Connor, is a buzzsaw, and they're playing some extremely high. 
levels of football. And the Trey Ford expectation needs to be one or two touchdowns. We have to really temper ourselves for this. I agree. Just listen to these, speaking of Winnipeg, just listen to these yardages on touchdown passes from Winnipeg in their 50 to 14 win over BC. 71 yards to Dalton Schoen, 57 yards to Kenny Lawler, 30 yards to Nick Dembski, um, and then 14 yards from Drew Brown to to Dalton Schoen. But, you know, 71, 57, and 30 from Caleros. Don't forget about the deep balls he took outside of just the majors. Like in the first drive before they went to Schoen for the long ball. They had one that <laughs> went to Lawler. Okay, called Valkyrie Pounty. A second one right to freaking Kenny Lawler. Like, they are just throwing the ball downfield. And quite frankly, it's going to make teams want to go shot for shot with them. Trey Ford cannot get into this. Yes, they have the weapons with the Elks. They do not have the offensive line. If you are sitting back trying to pin your ears and throw the ball downfield to keep up with the high-flying Bombers offense, they have some pass rushers who are going to make your life a living hell. That's a great point, but that's not even the question that I was going to ask. The question that I was going to ask was like, yeah, like we, we look at the yardages, we look at the throws outside, and you made a good point, outside of the touchdowns from Zach Caleros, does Edmonton even have the the secondary to keep up with Zach Caleros and all of the weapons that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have at receiver? No. I really don't think they do. I don't, and that's going to force Trey Ford into a shootout style game and is he going to be able to keep up again i don't know the answer to that question but i'm not confident that the answer is yes looking at the uh cfl dossier pickums it is 95 percent of the fan vote on the winnipeg blue bombers yes and it should be it it should be regardless of whether trey ford is starting this game or not if it was cornelius if it was daggy if it was Khalil Tate, like this should not be in a, a picked game for Edmonton. It just shouldn't. And if you picked Edmonton, then I'm sorry. You are an unrealistic Edmonton Elks truther. It would be pretty crazy though if he came in and won the first game of the year for them. He did it last year in 2022, but that was against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who were at that point in the season a pretty mid level team. This is a whole new ball game. This is the three-time Grey Cup appearing Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is a tough ask from Trey Ford. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's talk about some of the other games. Obviously, the big end to the week with Marsh calling the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks craziness. Uh, but the Toronto Argonauts, First loss of the season to Jake Mayer, who threw the fourth highest completion percentage in CFL history, and that netted him a whopping 149 freaking yards. Are you kidding me? Uh, Here's here's what I want to say. When your running back almost has more... Actually, wait a second. Quick math. 37 plus 18 is uh 555 155 when your running back has more 
offensive production than your quarterback does in a game. Yes, Dedrick Mills finished with 155 freaking pass yards. Or sorry, sorry, total yards, rushing and receiving. And Jake Mayer, despite going 22 of 24, fantastic feat. He had 149 yards. What? What did you what did you throw to? Bubble screens, drags, like okay. We talked about this literally before we got on. I want you to expand on this more. This wasn't the Calgary Stampeders winning the game. It was the Toronto Argonauts kind of sleepwalking. Yeah, that's that's again, that's what I said before he jumped on. This was not this was not Calgary outplaying Toronto. This was a few bad mistakes. This was Toronto kind of falling asleep. If you look at the play-by-play for this game, it's a Tommy Stevens one-yard touchdown. Fine. For in order for Tommy Stevens to to have that opportunity to get that goal line touchdown, sure, Jake Mayer's got to engineer a drive. Okay, I'll give you that. Then you look at it, you have Rennie Paredes, arguably one of the best kickers, top five kicker of CFL in CFL history, hitting two 40-yard bombs for six points. And then you have a a ridiculous play on a punt that results in a touchdown for Calgary. So show me where. Jake Mayer impacted this game to the point where it put Calgary in a situation to win. There's one drive that I can point to. Other than that, it was Diedrich Mills being a damn nightmare for the Toronto Argonauts defense. Show me where Jake Mayer was a nightmare. Sure, he went 22 of 24. Great. What were those throws? Underneath, (laughs) short throws, doing his job. And that's fine. That's great. But everybody that's hyped up on Jake Mayer right now needs to to relax a little bit. This was not a Jake Mayer win. This was a Calgary team win. This was Diedrich Mills being a damn menace all night long. And this was a little bit, a lot of bit of, of Toronto falling asleep. Sure, yeah, Chad Kelly had that 76-yard bomb to Cam Phillips. But other than that, they couldn't score points. So I don't know if it was as much... Like we said about Toronto falling asleep and Calgary just don't as much as like it was a it was a combination of things not going the right way for Toronto yeah. in this game and and it's Calgary just a bad day and you know you look at it they went from touchdown Atlantic all the way back to Calgary you know they stopped in the middle it's not like Saskatchewan where they were at TDA and then got to go play a home game no no. They had to then go on the road again, so they were losing extra days. Um, they're traveling you get arguably, time zones. Yeah. And then you get a physical ass running back like Diedrich Mills. Uh, and you have I do arguably say, though, top three and top three quarterback in the CFL getting hurt and leaving the game. I do want to say with the respect to Jake Mayer, if we if some of our listeners had listened to the breakdown before this game or in the last week with <laughs> Marsh and DT. When they spoke Jake Mayer, it was a matter of, you know what? When he doesn't turn the ball over, <laughs> he does wonderful things. But the odds are that he is going to turn the ball over for you in games. Didn't turn the ball over this week. Two incompletions. All he did was take care of the ball and be that down Charlie that we know and hate because it's so much more fun and exciting when this Calgary Stampeders team lets 
Mark and Mitchell, Clark Barnes, Reggie Bagleton, Tommy Lee Lewis, when he's healthy, Malik Henry, when he's healthy, Jalen Philpott. When they let these guys go and be the superb athletes and playmakers they are, it is so much more exciting. That's just not Jake Mayer's DNA. And we have to come to terms. I mainly have to have come to terms. With I was going to say, you got to come to terms with this. I just hate it's the same thing. My my mother's a Saints fan, and I bugged her about this for years on Drew Brees because let's face it, for the last four or five years of his career, this is how Drew Brees played. He would complete 80 plus percent of his passes. He wouldn't turn the ball over, and he'd just check the ball down. He'd just, you know, a little flare out to Alvin Kamara, a little slant to Michael Thomas. And it would just work their way down because they were never missing passes. They were just consistently moving the ball. But at a certain point, you hit your cap. And at a certain point, you have to have the ability to take that shot downfield. Jake Mayer has thrown for a lot of yards. Yes, we just watched him throw how many games in a row over three bills. You need to have that consistently. But this, like, I, th- I think this game, give or take, you know, some yardage, some yardages here, but like this game with Jake Mayer was exactly what we were talking about last week or the week before. This is the formula for Calgary in, in order to pick up wins. He's not going to throw for 400 yards, but he's going to play mistake free football. And I think that's how Calgary is going to earn their wins. Now talking about all the, all the weapons that they have go out and add a guy, well, bring back, not add, bring back a guy like Marquis Ambles. What do you think that does for Calgary's offense? I think that only just gives Jake Mayer another outlet, another damn good playmaker. It gives him a guy with steady hands underneath that can just do the things that Calgary is looking for. I just, it's another, like it's another weapon they don't need to have, right? Like they have so many athletic receivers that maybe he's just coming in to coach them up on things, but I don't know. I'm done with my Jake Mayer talk, though, Connor. I can't. I can't talk about 150 yards more than. More than that, I I I can't. Shall we move take on? your 94 percent and shove it? I'm moving on. <laughs> Quote of the week: Take your 94 percent and shove it. Guy throws for 94 percent completion rating. Ways telling him to shove it. Shall we move on to the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Saskatchewan Riders and Dustin Crum? We did give him. A little bit of leeway, a little bit of an extension on your three-game rule. We gave him the the benefit of the doubt with the shitty weather, the rain delay, all that. Comes out again against Saskatchewan, goes for under 200. Loses in a tight game. I'm not going to blame this on Dustin Crum. I just, what is your, what are your thoughts now after our, I guess, four-game rule now? I don't know. Like, they... It's very one-dimensional. It's fun. The team seems to be behind him. He's going to certainly make you pay if you aren't willing to sacrifice a spy every single snap on defense. But Connor didn't turn the ball over. 16 of 20, 170 yards. He had more yards than Jake Mayer. Can we can we stop for a second? Dustin Crum. Two less incompletions, more yardage. All you need to say. Eighty percent completion, four of five. <laughs> but no, like I don't know. I I I think the 
the interesting thing with me is this receiving core. Like they, they have so many guys, just like we talked about with Calgary. They have so many guys that can contribute in different ways and facets of the game. But they have about 45, 50 offensive snaps in the game, Connor, including their short yardage stuff. And they're maybe getting two, three, four targets each. As much as they want to lean into the run-heavy game with Dustin Crum and Devontae Williams, they almost have to start to use these guys more. Like, look at Justin Hardy. Three targets last week. We've seen him with double-digit targets really impacting a game. Nate Bahar, three targets as well. He's another guy that Dustin Crum raved about having as an outlet pass. Now, he's not even getting looks. In terms of the sheer volume, you want to see these guys all get involved. I'd love to see Shaq Evans, now that he's back in the lineup, get involved. But they have to start to trust him a little bit more. You're telling us how much you believe in Dustin Crum with the amount you're throwing at him. Like, Calgary told you what they believed in Jake Mayer, and it was, hey, Dedrick Mills, carry the ball 30 times. (laughs) Like... Yeah, he was rolling, so it's really easy to keep handing the ball off. But, hey, dude, Devontae Williams wasn't running the ball overly well. Let's maybe trust the kid to throw. I'm with you. I'm with you. But looking ahead, Mm -hmm. does the game plan become, you know, maybe not Devontae Williams, but does the game plan for Week 10 become the backfield of the Ottawa Red Blacks, given what Diedrich Mills just did against the Toronto Argonauts, knowing that Ottawa to. is going to have to play Toronto in Toronto this week? You know what it almost has to be, Connor? It has to be a shot early to really open up the defense, and then it's slamming the run game, and you're taking deep shots off play action. Because you need to pull guys out of the box. Toronto just got gashed for 130 yards. 140 yards almost from Diedrich Mills. They are going to load up to say, no, no, this is not happening again. Corey Mace wouldn't let it happen again. So if you're Ottawa, okay, let's take our shot. Let's start to pull guys, peel defenders out of the box. Because it's, we're going to jump to the NFL here. This is the biggest interesting thing. As you guys know, I'm a Ravens fan. With Lamar Jackson and the new offense that's coming with Todd Munkin. The offense before was let's pack it in two, three tight ends, a fullback, a running back, and let's really get after it in creative run schemes. Okay, but then our quarterback, who's a threat to run and the biggest rushing threat the NFL has ever seen at quarterback, is now dealing with boxes with eight-plus defenders. Now this new offense comes in with Todd Munkin, and it's spreading it out. Let's go four wide, five wide. Let's get these guys spread out and use our athleticism, our speed that we've drafted, signed, you name it. And what's that going to do is it's going to take defenders. You can't sit with an eight-man box, nine-man box, if I have five, six receivers out in the formation. We need to spread this out, and we need to make sure that you're at least open to defending deep shots. You're not just saying, (laughs) he's not going to throw that. Because I know you and I have done that to different quarterbacks at time where it's like, yeah, you're not throwing a deep ball. I'm I'm going to fall off this route at 20 yards. Yeah, 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 100%. And to bring this back to 
the CFL to bring this back to the the Ottawa Toronto game coming up. You know, we talked about teams having the ability, like a Calgary with Cam Judge, to to set a spy on damn near every snap. Toronto has the ability and the depth and the talent to just sit on Dustin Crum on every play. Man, like they have the ability to sit and wait. They have the ability to say, okay, like we will we'll spy you if you want to take off. We have the defensive secondary depth and talent to sit on your routes if you want to try to throw deep. I think this is going to be the biggest challenge for Dustin Crum yet. And this is going to be the biggest tell for Dustin Crum yet for us. Yes, because the Argos force turnovers like nobody else does in the CFL outside of maybe the Red Blacks. <laughs> like you have to take care of the football and you have to move the football and keep defenses honest and balanced in their play calling. Like, you can't just let Corey May sit in a too high shell and load up underneath. You need to keep them honest, keep them guessing at what you're doing without putting the ball in harm's way. That is the trick of every team's offensive game plan each and every single week in any football league you ever imagine. But for Dustin Crumb, like you said, this is the toughest challenge yet. This is the one that, you know what, dude, we really can't afford to give up the ball once, let alone two, three, four times like this Toronto team has been known to do. I'm actually really looking forward to this game. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Dustin Crumb can battle, can overcome, can anticipate, can can try to move the Toronto defense out of position. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Crumb can handle the challenge of what is the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Toronto is the best team in the East. This is no question. No, none at all. None. None. The one loss to Calgary doesn't scare me. They were going to have to lose a game eventually. They were going to have to lose a shitty game eventually. Happened against Calgary. My worry with this Toronto team, they get a bye week next week, week 11. Then it is a straight run into the freaking playoffs they're probably gonna have that week one by in the playoffs let's be honest that's great that's 10 weeks it's a long it's a grind that's a long schedule do you think that this argos team is just kind of i don't want to say putting it on hold for now but kind of saying like hey you know what we got a bye week next week we need rest up. We need to be fresh. Like Chad Kelly got hurt. They're saying he's going to play this week. What? Like, do you need to? Like, this goes back to the Bo Levi thing. Like, does he need to be there? Does he have to? Is it pivotal for you to win a Week Ten game against the Ottawa Red Blacks when you have a two-game lead on the Owls in your conference? Or is it more pivotal Maybe. that you give him two weeks rest? Yeah, that's well that's 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 the question that I think myself, you, everybody else has about Toronto right now is is what is their back? Will situation? there be gas in the tank? Yeah. No, my question for Toronto is will there be gas in the tank? 
a 10 week stretch to close your season, you better get that week one by, or you're going to be going 11, 12, 13 straight games to win a great cup. They can do it. They have the so, talent, they have the depth to do it. It's just, you know, yeah, I'm with you. Is there gas in that tank? And you know what they we'll don't have out. depth though is like you said, the quarterback position. They don't have the depth yeah. there. They know it. So to me, I, I I say rest him, give him a week off. But who knows? Maybe it was just minor. We're not in the rooms, we're not in the meetings. Allegedly, uh, he's gonna practice on Wednesday, which at the time this podcast comes out will be today. So allegedly he's gonna practice today. We'll see. We'll um, see what the reports are. I believe we are two, three days away from OUA training camps kicking off. How fired up? On a scale of one to ten, I'm about fifteen to 15. twenty right now. <laughs> like, dude. OUA football is but coming back. I'm not gonna say back. It is coming back. It is almost back. My bones have been vibrating since August 1st. Vibrating. I'm stupid excited for OUA football. For U Sports football. We're going to start getting these OUA preview videos locked and loaded for you guys, but it is certainly exciting to be back into the U Sports swing of things, Connor. I don't know if since we've started this podcast, if there has been as good of a storyline set coming into this year or coming into a season as there has been this year. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is the absolute most wide open that the OUA has been in quite some time. I don't don't even think the OUA, I'm thinking across sports in general. Yeah. We have, So we have Queens and Western, which in and of itself is a great storyline. It's a historic battle. It's a historic rivalry. The schools, the blood runs deep. But not only that, the last two years has been Queens trying to make this run and the Golden Gales trying to push past the Western Mustangs for the first time since the 09 run. Then you have Western who's hanging on and yeah, they've made it through but then they lost and they made it through and they won the year before they couldn't repeat it on home soil can they get back to a third straight queens obviously have the chance to host all the way through for a vanier cup but they have to break through that barrier that is the western mustangs and the yates cup then you can look at rsec okay we have desjardins we have uh, Kevin Mittal. We have Glenn Constantine. Reigning Vanier Cup champions. How is it going to look? Are they coming back? Are they going to successfully defend their crown in the RSEC? We have Montreal, who we know this. It always goes back and forth. It is one for one for one for one, and it just seems to bounce back and forth. Maybe it goes a couple years, but then it sets back in. Uh, can Montreal get back to the national semifinal stage out West Saskatchewan through a lot of turnover. <laughs> Calgary's young and UBC looks primed 
to come on and take the Hardy Cup out east. You know what? NFX has kind of controlled this thing for the last three, four years. Does the rain continue? Do the X-Men keep going? Does Gary Waterman continue to build his legacy and cement himself as one of the best coaches in school history? Who knows? But Coast to Coast is just storylines lined up. And that's just the cream of the crop storylines. There's a ton underneath. I could get going on McMaster and the rise of Keegan Hall and how McMaster is going to be a damn force this year for teams to deal with. So many. Yeah, no, I'm with you on everything that you said about the main storylines. I'm right there with you. I think it's, you know, a toss up between Queens and Western. Uh, I love the pick. I think we talked about this an episode or two ago. Love the pick of UBC coming out of the can West Santa Fe. Who's going to challenge them. But then, yeah, you have those, you have those under the radar teams like, like a McMaster, like a Regina Rams, like a potential Mount a, Oh. There, there's just so many teams that we're not talking about or not that we're not talking about, but there's just so many teams that fit into those three, four five spots that depending on the way the season falls, yes, they are, are three, four five in their conference, but there's still some of the best teams in, in the country, which, you know, that could be a McMaster. That could be a Regina. That could be a Mount a, that could be, it could be a, a an Ottawa, a Laurier, a Windsor. Yes, Windsor could sneak into a five or a six spot in the OUA. It could be, you know, a, a Manitoba out in the Can West. It could be, I'm going to say, damn it, I'll, I'll, I'll say SMU could have a bounce back year. McGill with the veteranship on that team could be a three or a four seed in the R, in the RSAC. I think, you know, the RSEC for me, you know, you said it, and I agree with it. It's it's Laval and Montreal battling it out for the top. I think Laval with, with what they have comes out on top, but there are so many sub-storylines, so many sub-one-two teams that can make these challenges, that can make these pushes, that have damn good rosters, and dude... I will say one of the teams that I'm absolutely most excited for in all of U sports this season, the Laurier Golden Hawks. Oh, I think they, they finish as the three seed in the OUA. I really do. That's not a hot take, though. That is a. It's not a hot take. I just said I was excited for them. I don't know. I just think that the, in terms of how how this season is going to go. We're we're gonna get into this uh, with a, a little post here, but I think it's the um, most parody that we've ha- that we've seen in a long time across U sports. I think this is the chance to almost go in tears. You can see who the top is. You can see who the middle is. You can see who the not quite there vying for a conference championship are, and then you know who's on the bottom. And right now the gap between the top two tiers is closer. I think that's what we're both getting at. Like, yeah. you know that Laval is going to be contending for a Vanier. You know Western is. We think UBC is, but maybe they're in that second tier because we just don't know, quite frankly. So, I, uh, I'm i pretty excited for this year and seeing how it's going to go. 
but I really want to talk about the Golden Gales new locker room. Okay, hold up. Before you get there, you want to hear, you, you said I didn't have a hot take. You want to hear my hot take before we get to the, the Gales locker room because this ties into it? Yes. Here's how I think the national semifinals are going to break down. Queens is going to play Laval, and UBC is going to play Mount A. That's how I have the national semifinals breaking down. And then I have Laval winning a tight one, unfortunately. It, I would absolutely love to see Queens get to the Vanier while they're hosting the Vanier. I will root for the host team every single year because I just love that. But I have, I have Laval playing UBC in the Vanier Cup in the Limestone City, which is Kingston, Ontario, for those who don't know. At the okay. gorgeous, to your point, the gorgeous new Richardson Stadium. Do Lang Pavilion or the Lang Pavilion, I guess. Oh um, my God. To quote <laughs> friends, oh my God. Chandler Bing. Oh Dude. my. <laughs> no, it's Stu Lang. Oh my yeah. God. Um, I think when you're looking at this pavilion, O'Connor, we saw Guelph get a major upgrade a few years back. This is what teams are being seen as the gold standard. Like you see this and you're like, okay, did you like that by the way, the gold standard? Yeah, um, I did. That was good. That was good. This is where it really is going. Like this is the gold standard of U sports and how the teams are going to start building facilities. You watch you can get something nice. Yes. This facility is what is going to get the Queens Golden Gales to host a freaking CFL preseason game in Kingston. It is True. pro level. It is pro caliber. The home team locker room, if you if you go to the Queens Gales social media page on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to do, look at the unveiling video. This is the closest thing in U Sports that we have to a pro style setup. And I would argue it's better than Montreal's stadium that they're splitting with McGill right now. The Alouette's home locker room, subpar. The Queens Gales home locker room, fantastic. Closer to the closer to the Rough Riders than not. <laughs> it is. I, You're I'm... laughing, but it is. I guess you would have seen it at Mosaic last year. Uh, when we look at this facility, though, and see all of the different aspects that they're going to have now built into Richardson, where they have their their full meeting rooms, full coaching rooms, locker room with extra areas. They're going to have the pavilion on the top. They're going to have... They have a video board in either end zone now. I, I, just, I just think this facility... Like you said, it is pro ready. If it had a second row of stands and seating, it could be a pro stadium. Dude, if you can host a CFL game, a, a regular season CFL game at St. Mary's in Halifax, you can host a regular season game at Richardson Stadium in Kingston, Ontario. Touchdown, Kingston? What? You can. You can. You can. We're joking about this right now, 
but I would argue tooth and nail that Richardson Stadium right now is better than St. Mary's. Is more pro ready than St. Mary's. I think I think you're fair to say that. But with that being said, do you have anything else to add about this crazy, exciting time we're living in? Go see a freaking football game at Richardson Stadium. I think that's the only thing I have to add right now. If you have the opportunity, if you're within two hours, three hours, if you're just west of Toronto, if you're Montreal area and you have the opportunity, if you have the means, if you have the want to go see a game at the brand new rich, well, not brand new, but go see a game at Richardson Stadium. I would highly recommend you do so. It is uh, beautiful. We played August there all freaking summer. Damn, dude. August 26th, uh, 3 p.m. Yep. Against the Laurier Golden Hawk. So you get an extra Ooh, bonus. That'll be a football game. That will be a football game. I, I just all think the Laurier the, uh... fans that listen to this podcast, you have a perfect opportunity to travel and support your team and also support. Ontario football, Ontario University football, and see a, a fantastic stadium while you're at it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Do it. God loves Star Wars. Um no, so in terms of your middle tier for Vanier Cup contenders, who do you have? Saskatchewan, Regina, Manitoba, Ottawa, Laurier, Mac, McGill, Sherbrooke, Mount A, St. Mary's. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of teams. You might have to tackle. Well, that. you said um, you said middle, so I was trying to give like middle middle of the pack. Well, there's four conference. tiers. There are more. There's four tiers. Are you saying Montreal's a top tier? L- okay, like, let's say let's say top tier is top tier. Is, top tier is Montreal Laval. After that, West. in the RSEC, I think it's going to be McGill. No, 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 and no, 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 across the country, across the country. Like I have Laval, Queens, Western. Are we putting in Montreal? Top, are we very putting top in- tier? Yeah, or are we just putting in UBC? Okay, no. If we're if we're going across country, if we're picking a top tier from each conference, it's it's UBC, Western Queens, Laval X. All right. What else you want to talk about tonight before we go? I don't think I have anything. I think I'm I'm just excited, and I think if you get me to start talking on a new topic, then we're gonna have twenty more minutes of recording to do. We'll save it for the Thursday episode. Absolutely. We'll go like let's let's lean in full U sports for Thursday. Little bit of a preview for the CFL weekend. Little bit of gambling, little bit of fantasy. We'll hit it hard on U Sports football. That's fair. All right then. I guess that's that's kind of it. That's all for us. Sadly. But the fat lady is singing tonight. Make sure that's not the loon at the college yard. By the way, this this is what I love about technology. Connor's sitting in a wooden cabin. Standing. On a lake. I'm standing. 
Or sorry, sorry, you're being athletic tonight and standing. Um, Not by choice. Connor's at a, <laughs> a wooden cabin on a lake, enjoying some time, and he's got Wi-Fi that's stronger than mine in most most instances. I'm guessing, dude, stronger than my phone right now. My phone is like struggling. Is it Starlink? Yes. <laughs> Shout out yeah. Elon Musk. He did one thing right. He <laughs> fucked up Twitter, but somehow we got great Wi-Fi out of the man. Uh, it's supposed to be X. No, it is Twitter. It is always going to be Twitter. And at Don't that get me Connor, started. That's a 20-minute discussion in its own right. I am so mad. Catch us on Twitter, at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at C, at Perspective. Uh, Box40shop.com, 15% off the worldwide leader in whistle tech. You can get a 120 decibel Sonic Blast CMG whistle from the leader in worldwide whistle tech. 15% off at checkout, CFP15, new Astros song, new Astros merch. Enjoy the tips and tails as always because it is the Astros. Catch them in concert if you're in the Kingston, Ottawa, Toronto area. Yeah, they got shows coming up in Kingston. They got shows coming up in Ottawa. Potentially going out west soon. Potentially. We'll wait and see on that. By West, I mean Toronto. I don't mean like West West. Oh, okay. But enjoy talking, guys, before the end of the week. They all seem to know the